Welcome to Knocked Up, a podcast about fertility, pregnancy, and women's health. I'm your host, Geordie Morrison, and I'm joined as always by Dr. Raylia Liu, CREI fertility specialist, gynecologist, and director of Women's Health Melbourne. Welcome, Raylia. Welcome. Before we begin today's show, we have a little favour to ask. If you're a fan of Knocked Up, please rate it and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It really helps other listeners find the show and the resources we offer. We're planning an advice episode where Raylia will answer audience questions. Email yours to podcast at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au. Don't worry, we'll keep all queries anonymous. Today we're actually answering one of those queries about the vaginal microbiome. Yeah, we're going to talk about the flora of the vagina, which means, and also the genital tract, which means the bacteria that live in our bodies. So I, in my mind, I go, well, we talk a lot about the gut and the flora in the gut, and I guess it's the same, but for the vagina? Yeah, it's a relatively new area of interest in medicine, and we really previously focused on bacteria and their role in causing disease. But we haven't up until quite recently acknowledged the kind of host bacteria, what we call symbiotic relationship, the positive relationship that bacteria in balance have on our bodies and also the negative issues of having bacterial imbalances in our systems. So when we use the word microbiome, what what is that referring to? So the microbiome has been actually described as a second human genome. It's kind of a genetic description quantifying all the bacteria that normally exist in our bodies. And why is this important? It's important because the microbiome, which is the genome of our microorganisms, both what we call symbiotic or helpful or or pathogenic or disease-causing, it's present in a balance and if it's in an imbalance, that can actually contribute to problems that cause diseases like infertility. Yes, given that this is a listener request, what role does the microbiome play in fertility? We had a listener who suggested that she'd had a a vaginal infection and that that hadn't been picked up in her whole fertility journey and she was really upset that that had happened and it took a while before anyone even looked for that as a contributing factor and asked us to do an episode looking at what is an infection, what is a, a normal flora. I think it's something that is really important but it's not something that's that well recognised or clinically utilised yet and that can be frustrating but it's because really it's such a new area. Our microbiome is important because disturbances in the composition of our bacterial communities can contribute to disease state and it could theoretically affect fertility because the normal microbiome, or the indigenous microbiome of the vagina, the cervix, the uterus, serve to maintain good health. And we, we call it, the word is dysbiosis, the official word when the microbial balance is out of whack, can result in disease. And it also can result in creating a niche where a pathogenic bacteria, bad bacteria, can come in and thereby threaten the health um, of an individual, of the human host. So in a really simple way, uh, I guess I've heard about your vagina being referred to as a self-cleaning oven and that you shouldn't be using washers or anything that would disturb the pH level. 
And that would be in reference to the microbiome. Yeah. So the native dominant species in the vagina is called the lactobacillus. And before, we kind of just appreciated as doctors that that was the case. One thing that we've learnt recently, which is really interesting, is that different women, and this has been shown in studies even in different ethnic and racial groups of women, have different subspecies of lactobacillus that is dominant. So it's not like there's one microbiome that everyone should have. We have different microbiota, woman to woman, and a healthy microbiome might be influenced by things like our genes. It might be influenced by things like our diet, and that's why cultural considerations can come into it. But basically the normal microbiome of the vagina in a non-pregnant healthy woman predominantly consists of a lactobacillus species and that promotes an acid pH in the vagina and it really means that the good bacteria thrive and the bad bacteria aren't supported and it creates a supportive environment where an embryo can implant in a pregnancy. So that's where an imbalance of the bacteria is affecting your fertility because the egg can't survive. Potentially. And the other thing that can happen is you can have, in the absence of dominant good bacteria, the entry of a a pathogen or a bad bacteria species that can be a disease-forming bacteria species. What are some of the things that can change the microbiome? So beyond the body wash you're using, we've touched on diet. What, What else could it be? Well, it can be a lot of different things, but you can catch a bacterial infection from sex, for example, uh, and you know, it brings into it that the vaginal microbiome is not standing alone. The partner's microbiome may also become important in fertility. But examples of how bacteria can adversely affect fertility are things like, for example, bacterial vaginosis, uh, which is when a species called Gardnerella vaginalis causes an infection. And we know that, for example, women who have bacterial vaginosis are more likely to have a miscarriage than women who don't. And in clinical settings, um, the way we diagnose it is called the AMCEL criteria. And there's basically three criteria present and you have to look for it to find it. So I guess the way a woman might notice it herself is if you have copious um, watery discharge that might have a bit of a fishy odour. But the way we look for it clinically is we put slides on a microscope slide and you can find these cells which have a typical appearance known as clue cells. Um, You can have an addition of 10% potassium hydrochloride to the discharge and that kind of makes the fishy odour more profound. And you can have a look at the pH of the vagina and it's often less acidic than it should be. And those are the criteria for diagnosis. And... um, by treating with simple antibiotics, usually vaginal, what's called metronidazole or flagell, we can get rid of that infection potentially. Uh, another interesting organism that's been quite controversial is urea plasma mycoplasma. It's kind of considered an underrecognized sexually transmitted infection now. We didn't used to think it was an infection. We used to think it was just part of the normal flora. And that was because in the 70s, studies were done looking for it that showed similar frequencies and concentrations of this bacteria in fertile as well as infertile women. But we now think that 
women with unexplained infertility are more likely to have ureoplasma, mycoplasma, and these bacterial infections can actually contribute to fallopian tube factor infertility, which we've done an episode on in the past. You asked about factors that can affect the microbiome. Uh, Well, look, the thing is it's not that well studied. I mean, theoretically, lots of things can affect the microbiome. So if you've had antibiotics, if you have had big hormonal fluctuations. So So IVF. It could be that IVF disturbs the microbiome uh, and we don't really know. Uh, We know that menopausal women who have low estrogen have fewer, fewer lactobacilli. So we know that hormones do influence the microbiome. And it's reasonable to conclude that IVF stimulation, which radically alters a woman's hormones, can induce change, whether that be positive or negative. So and we don't know what change that is. We don't know how long it lasts for. We don't know if factors should be introduced to remedy that change. So it's, it's an area that we really need to study a lot more. There's lots of information that we need to know more about. So that's probably why we've not really heard about this before. I honestly think people haven't thought about it as important in the past and it's just being recognised now. But things like your age, things like your pregnancy status and your hormones, things like your sexual activity because we can pass bugs from person to person, things like smoking. So any any kind of environmental factors can theoretically influence our microbiome in our genital tract. How could having bad bacteria in your microbiome affect IVF outcomes? We know that endometrial implantation of the embryo is the single most important factor in IVF. So getting that embryo, putting it back in the womb and having that implant to make a baby. And we know that having supportive species can positively influence that. And we know that having infection or abnormal species pathogenic bacteria may actually reduce that chance. And that's actually been shown in a study where Swabs have been taken from the cervix of women around the time of embryo transfer and the tips of the catheter that's used to transfer the embryo have been cultured. And what was shown was in the group of women who didn't have any abnormal microbiome or microbial growth, pregnancy rates were higher. And in women who had the positive culture of bacterial colonisation that shouldn't have been there, implantation rates and pregnancy rates were lower. So we do know that that's the case. Um, It's not standard practice to do those investigations in clinical work at the moment, and maybe it should be and maybe it will be. I guess one of the reasons it it isn't standard practice is because we don't know what to do. Uh, We've studied giving antibiotics around the time of embryo transfer in trials with very mixed results. It hasn't been shown that giving antibiotics to everyone is helpful. We don't get immediate culture results. When we take a swab, we get it later, so we can make retrospective kind of analysis findings, but we can't do a swab on the day and get an immediate answer, so we don't know who needs the antibiotics and who doesn't. And giving antibiotics can actually do more harm than good because it can disturb the natural microbiome by giving the good bacteria, a bit of a walloping. And we also know that when we give antibiotics too often for various things, we create superbugs. We create resistant bacteria in our community. So efforts have been made to stop using antibiotics when they're not needed. So 
the reason that it's not standard practice to swab around the time of embryo transfer is we don't know what to do with the information and um, we're still learning. And I think that's probably why instead of being frustrated with the doctor for not mentioning this before, it's still so new and we don't know much about it. So it shouldn't be focused on... Well, I think we shouldn't forget about it. And certainly it's changed my practice a little bit in the sometimes if I have a patient who has unexplained infertility who describes a discharge, I'll ask them to do a swab. But I don't swab everybody and I think we just don't know. And sometimes we get ideas in medicine and we think, wow, this might be important and we get some initial information that's very supportive and then we try interventions and they end up not being helpful. So there's no evidence-based approach to this that's currently um, supported, but it's certainly an area we should look into more and know more about and translate that data to kind of delineate and find out what the role of examining and managing the microbiome is in infertility treatments. You mentioned antibiotics. Other than antibiotics, what, what can be done? So other than trying to influence the microbiome with antibiotics, we can use what's called probiotics. And probiotics are basically good bacteria taken orally. Now, it's important to say that we do not have strong evidence at this time that probiotics definitely help fertility. But what has been shown is that women who do take oral probiotics do have more lactobacillus in the vagina, so they have more good bacteria. Same way that it's helping the gut health. Yeah. So it, it's not necessarily that there's a direct advantage for infertility, but certainly having natural probiotics in our diet, like coming from yogurt and things like that, and also potentially taking probiotics might help our gut health, which then helps our general colonisation with good bacteria and it does translate to improved vaginal health. Does the male partner play any role? In- Again, a frustrating answer. Probably it does because we know the sperm has microorganisms in it along with other constituents and we know that you can pass microorganisms from a man to woman. In some IVF clinics, men have been treated with antibiotics prior to sperm sample collection. However, this is an area that is understudied and we don't know really if those interventions are helpful or not. And we have the same concerns about it as we do for for females when, when giving broad spectrum antibiotics. And as we know, you know, women will know that often after you have antibiotics, you can get thrush. You can disturb the good bacteria by giving antibiotics. So it might be that antibiotics are not the answer in the long term, or at least that we need to find a more targeted therapy. And really the take-home message is this is an area of medicine that needs more study but there's a growing body of evidence that both the embryo and fetal environments and environmental factors, including the maternal microbiome, may play an important role in natural fertility. And you can take it in the next step, saying that it may play an important role in assisted reproductive treatments and that improving knowledge in this area could inform future research and that might eventually result in modifications in how we practice. But at the moment, we don't have the evidence to guide individualised treatment. We're still at the research stage of looking at the microbiome in the human reproductive tract. Thank you, Raylia. And thank you for listening to today's episode of Knocked Up. For more information on 
microbiomes and other topics, please visit womenshealthmelbourne.com.au and check out our show notes. You can also join our listener community. We're on Instagram and Facebook under Women's Health Melbourne. And you can follow Raylia at Dr. Raylia Lou. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you subscribing to our podcast. If you could give us a great rating, um, ideally five stars, that will really help others to find us too and help us with our mission of empowering and educating women, improving health literacy and ensuring accurate information is passed on. We'll be back with another episode soon.